Hey, what's going on, all you fiction peddlers out there? Today's show is brought to you by our dear friends over at Zipix Toothpicks, providing you with a wonderful alternative to smoking those disgusting, smelly cigarettes and all of those inadequate, over-the-counter, smokeless alternatives. Zipix Toothpicks are providing you with flavored, nicotine-infused toothpicks that are going to be cheaper than all of the other over-the-counter smokeless alternatives you could find and they're going to help you curve those nicotine cravings while still getting that whole hand-to-mouth oral fixation taken care of you can chew on them you can suck on them they come in six different flavors and the best part about a toothpick is you can enjoy it anywhere in a restaurant in your house right next to someone on a train or in a car they're they're smokeless you know they don't stink up the place you don't have to spit anything out you don't have to chomp on them and and have gum popping in between your teeth or anything like that it's a wonderful alternative to help curve those nicotine cravings so go to zippixtoothpicks.com that's z i p p i x toothpicks.com use my promo code fiction so they know i sent you you can get 10% off your order And for those of you non-smokers out there who may need a caffeine fix, they do have vitamin B12 and caffeine-infused toothpicks as well. So go check them out at ZipixToothpicks.com, promo code FICTION. All right, let's start the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, yo, happy Friday, everybody. What's going on? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host. The one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And uh, man, it has been just one of those weeks that just, I don't know, I've just been exhausted all the time. I actually have, I'm drinking a cup of coffee at 5.30 in the the evening. And no, it is not Lorenzotti coffee, unfortunately. It is just Costco uh, Colombian coffee or something, which is pretty good, but it's no Lorenzotti. And they are always and forever, at least I hope they will be, a sponsor for the show. So make sure you go to Lorenzotti.coffee, use promo code FICTION for 10% off your order, and get some premium Italian coffee delivered right to your door so you don't have to drink this Costco crap. But it does the trick in a pinch. And um, anyway, this may be, this may end up being a bit of a shorter episode because in true typical fashion. As soon as I wrapped up for the day and I was ready to start the podcast, which was around 3.30, 4 o'clock, they, they just started banging on stuff in the, the condo next to me. And they were, you know, it was, it was too much noise for me to actually start recording. 
so I, I'm I'm basically like an hour late uh, later starting the show than I actually wanted to. And for those of you supporting listeners of the show and the top 10 contributors to the private Facebook group over the last month, you all should know that in, a, in about an hour from now, it's 5.15 right now, at 6.15, we're having our bi-weekly Friday night happy hour where I sit down with uh, the listeners of the show that have supported us over the the last uh, year. Has it been a year yet? Year and a half? Something like that. I don't know how long I've been doing this. Time sure does fly, especially when you get older. So what we do is we get together. I get together with anybody that has su- uh, supported the show in the past or once we started this whole Friday night happy hour thing, started contributing a, a monthly donation to support the show. We all get together and we, you know, pour our favorite beverage and just shoot the breeze, you know, talk about what's going on in our lives, talk to each other about, you know, libertarian shit or just whatever the hell we want to talk about. While the sun sets behind me here in beautiful, sunny Puerto Vallarta and the sunset has been creeping back a little bit. It was at about 640, 645 up until uh, maybe two weeks ago and it's been you know, every day, a little later, a little later. Now it's like just after seven, the sun actually goes down. So I'm pushing our start time back to 6.15. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's too hot for me to be sitting indoors. You know, the last like hour or so while the the sun is, is, you know, getting ready to set, it's just beating directly into my condo here. And it's, it's, it's pretty uncomfortable if you're, you're sitting in that hot sun from like, you know, five to to six thirty, something like that. So we're gonna start a little later, but it's it's usually a good time, and hopefully we're gonna have some good participation. I think this week we have a, a lot of new um, people that have shown interest in that, and so it's going to be great to get to sit down with uh, some of the fans and and get to talk to you guys. So if you want to become part of our Friday night happy hour group, you can do that by going to peddlingfictionpodcast.com. And you click on the support the show tab and set up a recurring monthly donation. Now, it can be for any dollar amount. I don't care how much it is. I think you can donate as little as a dollar. So if you do that, as long as you keep that monthly uh, donation coming in to help us fund advertising and cover our expenses over here at Peddling Fiction, I will uh, sit down with you every other Friday for a drink, talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. And uh, just ha- just have some fun. You usually go for about an hour, maybe a little longer. It kind of depends on how many people are there and how um, how much time everybody has. But I will make myself available for as long as I possibly can. And it's a lot of fun. So you guys should all do that. The other thing is the the private Facebook group, which you know there is a private Facebook group and then there's a public Facebook page. So the private group you have to ask to join and you have to answer a couple questions t- before you're allowed in. If you are one of the top 10 contributors for the month, the past month, I will send you an invite to the the the, net, the following Friday night happy hour. So, you know, we got a, a few hundred members in that group and it's a it's a pretty cool group of people. You know, they post interesting articles, we have some good conversations. We got the weekly meme stream in there, which is always a fucking blast to check out. Drop your best memes and steal the ones that you like the best that everybody else is contributing. And if you are active in that group, you get a chance to um, share a drink with me as well. So do all those things for me and I will make sure I always have enough whiskey to get drunk with you. (laughs) 
and uh that that is my promise to all the uh supporting listeners and the and the fans of the show so anyway um that's gonna take place now in about an hour so i i don't know how much longer i can go here but you know there's it's kind of a slow news week anyway. There's um there's a few stories and stuff that I that I have here in my stack that I found interesting. That sort of piggyback on on some of the things we've been talking about over the last few months on the show. And then of course, just a little follow-up to the whole uh Texas reopening madness that has every fucking Californian going crazy. So I thought I'd uh, talk about that a little bit and uh, we'll just make a, a nice light Friday show because, you know, there, there's been some really interesting stuff going on in the bond market and uh, the overnight repo market. And I was thinking about going over that on the show. I've talked about it before. I forget. It, yeah, I think it was sometime not last year. Holy shit, not last year, the year before. I've been doing this show for a while now. Um, it, when like the overnight repo market just like breaks and it's kind of confusing and it's kind of boring. And I don't think anybody really has the um, the mindset to take that on on a Friday evening or even over the weekend or something. It's more of like a Monday or Tuesday kind of episode. So maybe we'll get into that sometime next week because there is there are some pretty substantial developments taking place in the bond market. It's going to take a while to break down. So I thought I, you know, initially I was like, Oh, I should talk about this because not a lot of people even know what a fucking repo is. And it's been a while since we've talked about it. And it's, and here goes the guy again, banging on the fucking, uh, I can't catch a break. This is just so frustrating. There is no rhyme or reason to their schedule. It just seems to be like whenever I want to turn these microphones on, they want they feel the fucking need to just start banging on something. Good grief. It's five fucking 30 on a Friday. Go home. <laughs> Go down to the fucking pool. Take a load off. Anyway, I'm just going to power through. Hopefully it won't be too obnoxious. It's definitely distracting me, but um. Anyway, the, the, the stuff that's been going on in the bond market and with interest rates and, and yields rising is very important stuff. And it's going to have some some pretty serious ramifications in terms of just the overall economy and monetary policy and things like that. But I, I was initially going to talk about it. it just didn't seem like today was the day to do it. So instead, let's make fun of Gavin Newsom, who's now urging double masking for all Californians. Because they will not make the terrible mistake like Texas. Gavin Newsom, having immediately decried the actions of Texas and Mississippi. So Mississippi was the other state that came out and just said, you know what? This whole thing is over. We're, we're opening back up. No more mask mandates. No more restaurant capacity restrictions. No more nothing. We're going back to life as we used to know it, which is pretty interesting when you think about it. I mean, like I said on the last episode when I talked about Texas, it, it is better late than never. Uh, it's unfortunate that we went down this path to begin with. We, you know, it, it, it sucks when the cure is worse than the actual disease. And that seems to be the modus operandi for government. In case you haven't noticed the theme of this show and you haven't noticed the, the just the way government operates, everything they do, every diagnosis that they come up with, Every cure for a problem ends up being far worse than the initial problem and creates, you know, 10, 15 other problems on top of that, which is why we here at the Peddling Fiction Podcast never advocate for government solutions to anything because government cannot solve your problems. If they could, they would have done it by now. 
and the $28 trillion that we've spent trying to do so would have had some effect, at least some positive effect on all these problems that just seem to be getting worse and worse. But it is really just, I don't know what the word is, but that the fact that we could just, one guy can come out and just say, yep, yeah, nope, this is over. The COVID thing is over. We're not doing it anymore. And you can just go back to life as you used to know it. This is the amount of power we've given these governors, which is just absolutely crazy. Why would you want anyone to have that amount of control over your life? And then the, the more insane thing is all the pushback you're getting. You know, these people that have been so pro-virus, as you know, I divide people into pro-virus and anti-virus. Pro-virus people are the ones wearing their mask while they're sitting alone in their car and feel the need to yell at people for not wearing a mask when they're walking down the street or something like that. They are absolutely losing their shit. And it just goes to show you that this is never really about, it was never really about their fear of getting the virus. I, I honestly don't think that. They, they don't, because there's nothing stopping them from staying locked down. There's nothing stopping them from wearing two masks or four masks and a face guard and goggles and a jumpsuit and gloves and all that crazy shit. There's nothing stopping them from doing that. They just seem to be upset that you're not doing it. And I don't know if they're just jealous, that they're jealous of your ability to just sort of shrug this off and live your life, or they're just upset that you're not um, obeying. Or you know what I, I think it is, is they don't have the power anymore to yell at you and feel feel superior when there's no directive coming in from above that says like you have to obey these rules and you have to do this 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 and that and then they all get to fucking walk around and be hall monitors you know like deputized by governor Gavin Newsom to yell at people and harass them for not wearing a mask or not you know abiding by some other retarded covid ritual right? They're losing that power. And these are powerless people. They, they, they're powerless people that have nothing better to do. They, they don't have anything going for them in their lives, apparently. They have nothing better to worry about than what other people are doing. And they, they fucking feed off that shit. They, they love it. You know, they get, you know, they get like high or something from being able to exert like the smallest amount of a th it's not even authority but they, they they feel like they have authority now you know it's like um I, I remember Adam Carolla made this made this point one of his books I can't remember which one it was but um his books are all pretty entertaining and it was like you know we've we've given the the, the fucking guy in the windbreaker that makes minimum wage like a ridiculous amount of power over us you know they get to determine whether or not we can get into the you know the club or get into the uh, the airport or park our car here. And that little bit of power, no matter how little it is, they're going to like really get fucking off on exerting it over you, you know? And that's a, a, a very similar mentality here. It's like we've, like we've deputized all of these, all of these crazy people that have nothing, you know, they have no power in their lives. They don't have anything going for them, except that now they can get this sense of moral superiority because they're yelling at you for being absolutely reckless and not wearing a mask and all that stupid shit, right?
So it's been pretty funny to watch them freak out as if, the, you know, anything is going to change here. There's I will go way out on a limb and say that you will not see a meaningful difference in the Texas and Mississippi numbers compared to what's going on in California where they're double masking because they don't want to make this terrible mistake. And, you know, like I said, anybody in Texas, feel free to put on 10 masks and stay inside. <laughs> don't go to work. Don't do anything. Just sit on your couch and uh, let life pass you by or go back to California. <laughs> How about that? I mean, all of those Californians that moved to Texas that are probably freaking out that uh, Texas isn't going to live like these paranoid pussies anymore. Go, go back to California. Enjoy. You can you can wear two masks over there and, and force other people to do so, too, because Gavin Newsom is urging it. He says they're going to double down on mask wearing. The Sacramento Bee is reporting tonight the new state health guideline announced by Ga Governor Gavin Newsom on Thursday recommended that Californians wear two cloth masks or one filtered mask when going out in public to prevent the spread of COVID-19. We are encouraging people basically to double down on mask wearing, particularly in light of what I would argue is bad information coming from at least four states in the country. We will not be walking down their path. We're mindful of your health and our future, Newsom said. Newsom's point about doubling down, California updated its recommendations for mask wearing on Thursday with the following. Double masking is an effective way to improve fit and filtration. A close-fitting cloth mask can be worn on top of a surgical disposable mask to improve the seal of the mask to the face. Interestingly, Newsom also announced Thursday that counties across the state could be cleared to open more businesses and lift other restrictions sooner than anticipated under an update that loosens some requirements in his blueprint for a safer economy. So he's easing restrictions, like Texas, and at the same time urging double masking. That's a little editorializing there. And of course, you know, he's just following the science, right? That's what they're all saying. But there's this CDC mask mandate report that has some troubled, uh, you know, findings for those advocating double mask wearing or extra, extra mask wearing and mandates and everything like that. The real world evidence exists and indicates that in various countries and U.S. states, when mask mandates were followed consistently, there was an inexorable increase in case counts. We have seen that in states and countries that already had a high frequency of mask wearing that adding mandates had little effect. There was zero benefit of adding mask mandates in Austria, Germany, France, Spain, UK, Belgium, Ireland, Portugal, and Italy, and states like California, Hawaii, and Texas. I don't know. This whole thing is just fucking hilarious to me now. I, I you get, you got to just laugh at it. It's like, oh, you guys are re re lifting your mask mandates. Well, we're gonna mask down even harder. We're gonna put on two masks. We'll show you Texans. It's just like talking about cutting off your nose despite your face. It's like, uh, okay, we're gonna make ourselves even more miserable in the face of no evidence that there's any actual benefit to doing so. Just to show you that we really care about everybody and we're taking this thing seriously, right? Unbelievable. Uh, have fun with that over in California. Uh, just have fun wearing, wearing two masks, especially once uh, summer rolls around. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I just don't understand the, the mentality of these people. But I've never understood the mentality of like these tattletale hall monitoring busybodies that 
uh, you know, the, their blind allegiance to authority, never question anything. Yeah, just the sense of superiority that they get over people because you're listening, because you're following like Gavin Newsom or Andrew Cuomo's, you know, decrees is just unbelievable to me. And, and speaking of um, Andrew Cuomo, he's been in a little bit of hot water lately for a couple of reasons. So let's talk about the multitude of scandals that he's staring down the barrel at. But first, I got to pay a few bills around here. And one of our sponsors for today's show is actually our newest sponsor to, to jump aboard the Peddling Fiction podcast wagon. And we're very excited to have them on board. They're fans of the show, and they've got a really cool idea that's going to make investing in Bitcoin impossibly easy, especially for the technologically illiterate people such as myself that are out there trying to dip their toe into cryptocurrency. And that, of course, is the CoinBitsApp.com. We all know that investing can be difficult trying to time the market can be hard to do almost impossible to do for most people and just very stressful not knowing when to get in when to get out how much to put in and when to put it into an investment confuses a lot of people and that's where coinbits app comes in okay they've found the easiest way to invest in bitcoin and it's one of the best things about the internet is how easy it's made certain things that used to require a ton of time, knowledge, and effort. One of those things, as I talked about, is investing. And the CoinBits app has made investing in Bitcoin basically effortless. So if you've ever heard of some of those other investment roundup apps like Acorn, CoinBits is basically that, but for Bitcoin cryptocurrency. So what it does is it takes the change, the leftover change when you make a purchase, say $10.25, right? It rounds that up to the nearest dollar and it takes that 75 cents and invests it for you every week in Bitcoin. So instead of fretting about how much money to put into Bitcoin and when you should do it, go to coinbitsapp.com slash fiction. It's not a phone app right now. It's just based off of your computer. So go to coinbits, B-I-T-S, app, A-P-P dot com slash fiction and get started right away, rounding off all of that change up to the nearest dollar and investing your spare change weekly in Bitcoin. It will help you take advantage of an investment strategy, which is called dollar cost averaging. And all that basically means is that instead of trying to time the market, which none of us can really do, unless, of course, you've taken my uh, tutorial on how to read price action and analyze charts. But even then, it's not a foolproof strategy. So instead of trying to time the market, you continuously add your position over time and you average in the cost of that investment. And, you know, psychologically, at least from my point of view, once you get past a certain um, threshold in between dollars, you know, if it's $10.35, $10.55, at some point you just psychologically feel like it's $11 and you're telling yourself that you're spending $11. So you might as well take that extra change and invest it in something that you know and understand. And if that's you and you want to accept the risk, invest it in Bitcoin through the the CoinBits app. Now, as I speak, Bitcoin is right around $50,000 a coin. Very few of us have that kind of spare change lying around. So this could be a, a great way to expose yourself to cryptocurrency without a lot of risk and uh, dip your toe into the Bitcoin market if that's something that suits you, your investment goals, 
and your risk tolerance. So just to be clear, I am not a financial advisor. I am not in any way, shape, or form qualified to tell you what to invest in or what not to invest in. And be prepared if you should invest in something, Bitcoin or anything else, be prepared to lose every penny that you invest. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. So this is a caveat emptor. Enter at your own risk if you feel comfortable and it's something that your portfolio needs or you feel it's something that your portfolio needs. But I got to say, in all honesty, this this sort of approach to Bitcoin seems like one of the least risky ways of getting involved in the cryptocurrency, if that's something that you're looking for. So go to coinbitsapp.com fiction and start rounding off that spare change into Bitcoin weekly today. All right. So Andrew Cuomo. The hero of New York six months ago, who was crowned by the media for his expert handling of the COVID pandemic just last year, apparently, uh, it turns out, didn't do that good of a job after all. I know that's going to come as a big shock to everyone, that government fucked this up again, to a degree that no other private business or individual could ever get away with. The fact that he is still serving in office right now is incredible. If, if this was anybody else, they'd probably be in handcuffs. Um, they, they'd certainly be out of business and dragged into a courtroom, no doubt. But whether or not he'll actually face repercussions for this, uh, I mean, it's looking pretty bad for him. But for some reason, you know, we always give these exceptions and excuses when it comes to government handling of situations. We all know by now that he forced nursing homes to take in COVID-19 patients, right? And that thousands and thousands of elderly people died because of his directive to force them to take in these sick patients. But it turns out it's actually a little worse than that. As bad as that is, you know, what What good is a, a bad scandal without a, the cover-up after the fact, right? And apparently his... um. His aides rewrote a July nursing home report to conceal the COVID death report, uh, the death toll. So, so basically, at the, at the urging of Cuomo advisors, this report, this July 2020 report, they urged them to exclude nursing home residents who died from COVID, but they didn't die in the nursing home. They were in the nursing home. They got COVID. And then it got so bad that they moved him to a hospital and they died in the hospital. And so if that happened, they weren't including those deaths in the total uh, count of nursing home resident deaths that died during the pandemic in this report. And it turns out, interestingly enough, that they overstated or they understated the number of deaths by about 50 percent. So the report initially listed. Let's see. I had the number here. Yeah. The published version of the data said that just 6,432 nursing home residents had died when in fact it was over 15,000. 15,000 residents of nursing homes were either confirmed or presumed to have died of COVID-19 since last March. And when they were asked to comment on this, Cuomo's office said on Thursday that they had concerns over the accuracy of the facility, of the out-of-facility deaths, which, yeah, I'm sure they did have concerns because they're awfully high. There are a lot of them, huh? You're concerned about re release, like including that in your fucking numbers because it makes you look like, oh, uh, this directive, this government 
decree that forced nursing homes, who probably otherwise wouldn't have brought in infected patients, yeah, caused needlessly, you know, 15,000 people to die. Now, how many of those people would have died anyway? I don't know. The, the, um, the point here, I guess, is twofold. One, in a free market where the government can't tell you what, how to operate your nursing home, I highly doubt that these nursing homes would be taking in patients that had COVID-19, especially given that, you know, a month or so into this whole thing, we knew that the, the, the people in nursing homes were by far the most vulnerable to, the, to dying from this, uh, from this virus, right? So it's, it's highly likely, and, and this is the reason why he had to make the law, not a law, but for all intents and purposes, it was a law, but this is why he had to force them to take them in, because if he didn't, they would have turned them away to the hospitals or something like that. And so the, you know, the implication being that if he didn't force them to do it, they wouldn't take them in. And they probably wouldn't have had as many deaths. And you've seen these memes going around, you know, who killed more New Yorkers, Osama bin Laden or Andrew Cuomo. And uh, according to these numbers, it looks like Cuomo's got him, got him beat by about, what, 13,000? Forget how many exactly died on 9-11, but it was like 2,500 or something like that. I mean, could you have actually handled the situation any worse, right? Here's a deadly virus, deadly for people over the age of 70 with underlying conditions. It's it's highly contagious and deadly for them. And where are all these people living? Well, they're living in nursing homes. And, well, we're going to force the nursing homes to take COVID patients in because, I don't know, we're worried about the hospitals being overrun or something. I mean, what's the what was the logic behind this? What do you think is going to happen? If it was because you were worried about hospital beds, what, what do you think is going to happen when the, the the entire nursing home gets COVID-19? You don't think any of them are going to be transferred to the hospital? I mean, could he have done a, a worse job and then get deemed, you know, get crowned like the prince of the, the COVID pandemic? You know, he was on the cover of all these magazines and just being praised by the corporate press for his handling of COVID when New York had the worst the worst outcome out of any state in the union. It's unbelievable. We would never get we would never let a, a private entity get away with such such shenanigans and such a poor performance. And if they did have a poor performance, they wouldn't be <laughs> there there wouldn't be any uh, discussion of them being in like the top the, the top tier COVID pandemic response. Absolutely not. But you know when it comes to government, here we are. It's in, in, incredible to me. Never, they never cease to amaze me. And, you know, he's facing political pressure now from kind of both sides of the aisle. But the outrage level for this is really low, especially, you know, everything's political now. So, But from the left, like these people are far more outraged for you walking down the street without a mask on, having a few people over at your house, going to a party, eating at a restaurant like a normal human being. They are far more outraged about you doing that, you living your life, than Andrew Cuomo forcing, you know, uh, sick old people into nursing homes and, and basically getting a bunch of people killed. Like actually literally getting people killed versus, you know, you um, hypothetically wanting to kill grandma because you, you don't want to wear a mask everywhere you go. I mean, what the hell is that? I mean, how could you be more outraged at people just 
healthy people walking down the street living their lives versus you know, the government forcing nursing homes to take on sick patients that they didn't want that they normally wouldn't take on and um as a result thousands of people die and then of course you you try to bury the report you fudge the numbers so it doesn't look as bad so it's not as big of a political scandal no no outrage over that apparently no no but if you don't mask up we're going to fucking come after you yeah yeah that that th- this whole fucking world is just absolutely crazy we've all gone nuts and you know i don't follow the new york media as close as people from new york obviously but how do you how do you live with yourself? He doesn't seem to have any remorse. He doesn't seem to be regretful, apologetic. It, it's like no matter how badly they fuck up, they can never admit that they fucked up. They're they're so power hungry and and dependent on this lifestyle that like they can't just be like, listen, like I I, I screwed this up. I apologize. Has has he done that yet? I haven't seen it. I've seen him be like a pompous prick about it and deny any responsibility, deny any wrongdoing. Um, but man, like, how do you not, how do you live with yourself? How do you not feel responsibility, the the need to just sort of step down because it's like the right thing to do? Be like, listen, like, I clearly fucked this up. I don't think I should be in this position of power anymore. Uh, there, there's none of that from him. He's he, like, he's just... These people are fucking sociopaths. He doesn't seem to think he did anything wrong at all. It, it, it's amazing to me. I mean, maybe I missed it. Maybe he came out and he was remorseful and regretful and he apologized to the thousands of people that he needlessly killed. But I doubt it. I doubt it. You know, we're seeing <laughs> I definitely saw reports uh, that he was threatening uh, other you know politicians and political figures for um you know, exposing these, these types of scandals. And when that story broke, it didn't seem like uh, de Blasio was very surprised. Like, yeah, I I could see him doing that. He's done that to me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, man, it's just too bad. And and you wonder what else they're, you know, what else they've lied about, right? What else are they hiding? And that, oh man, this whole thing. And, you know, he was like the poster boy. Remember all like the whole media fawning over this guy and didn't he have like a fucking book that came out or something that said like, you know, how wonderful he handled the 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 crisis and everything like that? What was that thing called? Like lessons in leadership in a crisis or something, something like that. Hey, I have a lesson for you. How about you don't force a bunch of fucking covid patients into sick old people homes? How about that? Unbelievable. I mean, the gall of this guy to write that book or, you know, have somebody write it for him. A real fucking blowhardy, pompous prick, this guy. They, they have no shame. They have no soul. I Like, these people are fucking monsters. And they just have this sense of entitlement. And apparently, you know, it goes beyond just the power of the job and everything. He seems to be uh, feel like he can go after all these young women that work for him, too. That's the other scandal that that the that he's being hit with now, is the, the Me Too movement is kind of coming after him a little bit. Well, actually, not really the Me Too movement. They're they're kind of silent on this, but it turns out uh, allegedly that he's been getting a little handsy with some of his staff, and apparently he's been uh, hitting on a lot of uh, women as well. And he's got you know former aide, uh, a former aide came out saying that he tried to sleep with him during a one on one meet. She let's try that again, saying that he tried to sleep with her during a one on one meeting in Albany. 
uh, in his Albany office last year. She was 25, apparently. And how old is he? He's 63. Uh, That's not creepy at all, is it? (laughs) Just a fucking 40 year difference. Um, He implied to me that I was old enough for him and that he was lonely. Charlotte Bennett made the stunning comment in an interview that aired Thursday night on the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, saying that her then boss, Cuomo, now 63, asked probing questions about her sex life when they were alone together on June 5th. I thought he was trying to sleep with me. The governor is trying to sleep with me, and I'm deeply uncomfortable, and I have to get out of this room as soon as possible, Bennett said. What made you think he was trying to sleep with you? O'Donnell asked. Without explicitly saying it, he... He implied to me that I was old enough for him and that he was lonely. Uh, a second portion of the interview is set to air Friday oh, on CBS this morning. I miss, must have missed that. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, there's a lot of different quotes from the uh, the interview here. Um, <laughs> it's always funny when the, you know, I don't know, uh, again, you know, it. this is the whole he said, she said kind of thing. But it's always funny to me when they when they talk about how these like creepy old men make their advances, you know, like uh, he explained that he was fine with anyone over the age of 22, (laughs) just like, okay, I I don't know how you come up with that number, but 21. No, but 22. Absolutely. That's fine. (laughs) At least he didn't go all Bill O'Reilly on her and uh, like tell her he was going to use a a loofah or no, he said like falafel or something because he couldn't think of the word. It's going to use a falafel on her in a sexual way. So I guess as far as creepy old advances go, this one wasn't too bad. <laughs> uh, anyway, but of course, you know, here we are but once again, just another example of this whole Me Too hypocrisy, right? I think there's like two. So there's sorry, there's one other staffer that I know of that has come forward and accused him of sexual harassment i i I think yeah at at least one other one there might be two but for sure there's at least there's at least two total sexual harassment allegations against him right now and you know the 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 left's whole thing is like if you're in a position of power you can't like proposition anybody and i mean he's the goddamn governor of new york i mean that's a very powerful guy right there so it's certainly you know as far as workplace relationships go very very inappropriate if what she's saying is true and yeah i don't know but i'm inclined to believe it but it is interesting the other thing is that it's interesting to see all of these (laughs) allegations these me too allegations come out the second he gets in trouble for the whole nursing home thing it's like they had them queued up and ready to go and it's just like, okay, now that he's got this uh, this scandal going on, maybe we can get him with the, the, the whole Me Too thing and, and take him out that way. I, I, I don't know what changed really, what like why they decided to go after him because he was the media darling like six months ago. They wouldn't shut up about how he did such a good job handling COVID, even though New York had like the worst numbers ever. All of a sudden, this just really took a, a turn for the worst from him. He is like mired in fucking scandal right now. Uh, and the Me Too movement has pretty much nothing to say. You know, I've been on the, the Internet a little bit, the Twitters and everything, and I keep seeing people make excuses for him. Like, oh, they need to they need to see like a fourth woman come forward before they believe him. And we all remember the believe all women thing. Well, it's just like, OK, why don't we believe this woman this time? Like what, ex- what you know, retarded excuse are we going to come up with? Because we came up with this idiotic standard when Kavanaugh was being you know, railroaded by those fucking crazy women when he was, you know, when his uh, confirmation hearing came up. 
And it was this believe all women as if women aren't capable of lying. Like, I, I don't know. This woman could just be making all of this shit up. It's very easy to do that. Uh, this, this whole Me Too thing, you know, there was some good elements to it. But the dumbest element by far was we believe survivors. Remember that? We believe all women. This is insane. There there are calls for him to resign uh, from both sides of the aisle. But he's, you know, he's fighting this. It doesn't look like he's going to go down easy. And he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to go down easy. You know, he seems like a bully. And so, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he's, you know, going after a bunch of young tail and and, and trying to uh, trying to exert his fucking power and authority over them. But I don't know. You know, I don't know what the standard should be or what it is for this, you know, for all of these allegations. I, I, I you know, let's just we can we could stick a pin in that and just go after him for this whole fucking nursing home thing. How about that? Like, that's that's plenty bad for me. Um, OK, so he tried to he was hitting on a 25 year old. All right. I don't know what the other allegations are, if they're out there, you know, if he's actually being accused of anything more than just inappropriate comments or something like that. But he, he basically sentenced 15,000 New Yorkers to death. Let, let's just go after him for that and, and put a pin in this whole sexual assault thing until we get a little more uh, proof or evidence that there was some something that actually went down here. But uh, I don't know. I I'm probably going to have to wrap up here pretty, pretty soon. But there is there's one more fucking crazy story coming out of California. You know, every day there's there's some other fucking retarded idea being proposed by this whole woke culture. And, you know, California probably being the epicenter for wokeism in California, uh, California would ban boys and girls sections at big retailers under a new proposed law. All right. Now, that like when I first heard about this story, you know, you, you just have to believe it now. Like if you had told me that, that you know, uh, Dr. Seuss was going to be banned for racism or we're, we're changing the gender of Mr. Potato Head, even though he doesn't have a fucking gender. Uh, it's a potato, no genitalia or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I might find this story hard to believe that this is what your California legislature is working on, right? This, these are your lawmakers. Um, in addition to, you know, talking about giving kids hormones and transitioning kids and, and chopping their dicks off and all of that, California's largest retailers would have to do away with boys and girls signage for toys and childcare aisles under a bill being considered by state lawmakers. Assembly Bill 1084 would require retailers with 500 or more employees to maintain undivided areas of its sales floor where the majority of those items being offered are displayed regardless of whether an item has traditionally been marketed for either girls or boys. The bill would also prohibit the use of signage to indicate whether a particular child care item or toy is for boys or girls. Online retailers with a physical presence in California would be required to label their toy and child care sections in a unisex or gender neutral way. The bill, if passed, would go into effect Jan 1, 2024, contains a provision of punishing violating retailers with a $1,000 civil penalty. It's co-authored by Assemblyman Evan Lowe, a Democrat, who chairs the California Legislative LGBT Caucus. God, they got a caucus for that, I guess. Yeah. So we got a caucus for everything, don't we? And Assemblywoman Christina Garcia, who chairs the California Legislative Women's Caucus. Uh, wait, how did they? 
How do you square that circle? So you have a women's caucus and an LGBT caucus and you're getting together to, you know, declare that there's no women, that everything's got to be gender neutral. (laughs) I mean, the, the, the mental gymnastics that these idiots go through is mind boggling to me. Lowe said that he was inspired by Target's 2015 decision to abolish gender kids sections. I mean, this is like a market thing, okay? Like, what, are we just going to go into stores now and wander around until we find what we're fucking looking for? I mean, if I, I have a I have a three-year-old nephew, right? He likes trucks. Uh, the, so the, the toy trucks are just going to be mixed in with everything else. We're just not going to have any organization to these, sto- these stores whatsoever. I got to go through, you know, Barbie dolls and gender-neutral Mr. Potato Heads until I find the toy trucks. I mean, and then the clothing. Like, oh my God, this is just so insane. The reason stores have, you know, boys and girls sections is because the customer wants... To know where the boy's stuff is and where the girl's stuff is. Very few people are going to stores being like, where are the gender neutral clothes? <laughs> like, I don't even know what the fuck that means. What is that? Like uh, a t-shirt is gender neutral? Uh, okay. But what are we doing here? Why are we making our lives more difficult in the name of, you know, LGBT nonsense? I mean, even if you're uh, you, you want a toy that doesn't conform to your gender, right? Or whatever. Like, so if you're a girl, but you don't, you know, you don't identify as a girl, you identify as a boy or some some other thing. I don't know what else they can identify. And I can't keep up with all this shit anymore. But If the girl likes toy trucks, wouldn't it still be easier to go into the store and know exactly that where those trucks are going to be in the boys section? Like, who cares what the name of the section is that you get the toy as long as you get the toy? This is just so fucking stupid. And, uh, you know, it's not like the stores are are doing this out of, uh, you know, to push the patriarchy or to push conventional gender designations or something like that. They're doing it to convenience their customers. I don't, I don't want to walk into a Target and just have to wander around until I find something. I want a big fucking sign that says where it is. This is just... <laughs> dude, you can't make this stuff up. The The whole world's going insane. California is leading the charge. Um, I, I just don't understand where this is headed. But, man, I sure do not want to live in that world. <laughs> I don't know how we start rolling this back a little bit. But like I said, we need the, we need the internet to get together and, and start making some of this stuff... Uh, cancelable somehow i don't know how that shit works but we need to make fun of these people until they stop this fucking insanity we cannot have stores that don't have sections of designated for certain items this is insane Uh, like how are you gonna fucking function in a store like that you're gonna add like 30 minutes onto your fucking time trying to find something and how do you do searches for it like so online i mean like i don't go to stores anymore um, well, actually, you know, I do here in Mexico because they don't really have a lot of those you know, Amazon delivery and stuff like that. It just takes forever if you can find it. But how are you going to search for, for stuff now? You can't say like boys jeans. You have to say like gender neutral jeans or just jeans. And then you have to sift like figure out which ones are what, you know, like aren't the pockets different and, you know, the flies different and the obviously the fit is different, too. Th- this is just fucking crazy to me. And And how are you supposed to know? How are you supposed to know what you're buying if it's listed as gender neutral? I mean, the, 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 the actual clothing isn't changing. They're just changing the sign for the section or how you search for it. This is absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, if you're trying to buy clothes for a boy, they can't say they're for boys. They're going to say they're for boys and girls and zers and zs. 
okay, but uh, like I, I want the the boys' clothes. How do I know what they are? Can they can they still tell you uh, what the clothes like the what the actual clothing is? Is that allowed? It's just the name of the section. Uh, but that, that's still isn't that still offensive to the LGBTQ community? I mean, we shouldn't be labeling clothes. If we can't label the section, how can we label the clothes? So I guess that's just coming next. After they get the sections changed, then you won't be able to market your fucking clothing to boys and girls either. And we're just going to be wearing like those. (laughs) You know, know, I used to make fun of all these stupid fucking futuristic movies where everyone's wearing like the same fucking outfit, you know, like a silver jumpsuit with like no, you know, it doesn't highlight any of your physical attributes or something like that. Everybody looks the same. They're all wearing a, a fucking stupid jumpsuit. I used to make fun of that shit. Think about how ridiculous it would be for everybody to just wear the exact same thing and nobody would want to express themselves with clothing or anything like that. But man, it looks like that's kind of where we're headed. We're all going to just be walking around this futuristic world, genderless, right? Wearing these neutral colored jumpsuits that... that <laughs> Oh, my God. And we're not going to be able to swear or say, you know, it's going to be a lot like Demolition Man. They got a lot of shit right in that movie, except that the, you know, the girls outfits in that were pretty tight fitting. If I remember correctly, Sandra Bullock was looking pretty good back in that day. So uh, it's going to be like that, except a little more dystopian and a little more uh, retarded toward the LGBTQ community's goals of gender neutral shiny silver jumpsuits or something so that nobody can tell if you're a boy or a girl or whatever (laughs) i don't know guys i gotta wrap there because i gotta fucking throw back some whiskey with you fine fiction peddlers so do me a favor follow me on twitter i'm still not even up to a thousand followers yet it's starting to get a little embarrassing all right so get over to fucking twitter and just follow me already I should have well over a thousand based on the the listenership to this show. So just do that. I don't care if you actually engage with me on Twitter or whatever. I just want to get those numbers up. And I drop, you know, pretty good memes from from time to time on there. And every once in a while, I have an original thought as well. So do that for me. All right. That's all I ask. That's all I'm asking for you to do this weekend is to follow me on Twitter. And if you guys can do that for me, I will be back on, I don't know, Monday or Tuesday, depending on my schedule, with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace. Peace.